Hi, I'm Chris and I'm an alcoholic. And um, I'm sober physically and spiritually. (laughs) I have my moments with emotional. (laughs) And um, no, I am. And part of that is, um, is having had having had the joy and the opportunity to make amends. And it's not something when, you know, when I was, um, I've got to get myself in perspective here. I've been doing, you know, rushing around, so I'm still rushing around in my head. And that's what happens. My head runs and because I have a very active, active mind and I was a very active alcoholic when I was drinking. And I enjoy being a very active alcoholic while, now that I'm sober. Um, <clears throat> I'm sure that when I was born I didn't expect to hurt the people that came into my life. I didn't expect to do the harm that I did as I progressed through life. And um, you know, I got to, I was just a, a human being, you know, it's just a normal kid. things happened and I felt unsure about it and uneasy and I was just a normal human kid and um, then I found alcohol about 15 and you know my attitude at that time was was pretty ordinary I wanted to do things that I wanted to do and you know people would say to me oh maybe you shouldn't do that and I would I would think, no, I need to do that. <laughs> and I found when I had alcohol in me, I could do it without any thoughts, regardless of consequences. And um, I found that exciting. You know? There were things that I felt that I was boring. You know? I couldn't feel comfortable around people. Those all human experiences. You know? Other people feel that way. Lots of people feel that way. But for me, when I picked up a drink, I felt different and I felt more comfortable. And all my inhibitions went. And um, and so, and other people do that too. Other people have that experience as well. But then mine progressed and I found I got to the point where I needed to drink. And um, I, I felt more and more comfortable drinking and it was more and more normal for me to drink. And then I got to um, the point where, you know, other people started coming into my life. I met my husband in the middle of the road waiting for the coppers to come along to drag him off to, co- off to jail. And I thought, oh, you'd be a nice one to take home. <laughs> and I took, I took him home, you know. And we spent 13 years just bashing and crashing and, and dragging up, you know. I had three kids in three years and... And um, moved moved often, <laughs> and ended up in a small town in Wedgie Proof in North Central Victoria. You know, and ended up on a farm and with the mice and the cockroaches and the white ants and oh poor me, you know, <laughs> had no money. He would he'd been in a car accident, so he was on the invalid pension, you know, and we'd live. You'd have a bit of rain out there and you'd, you'd slide all over the place. You know, you couldn't drive the car, you'd have to walk from the... Poor me, jeez, you know. 
There was just so much that was wrong about my life. If only I had this, if only I had a better husband, if only I had better kids, you know, if only I had a better house, if only I had this. And it and because of you know, and because of that's how I felt. And I drank more and I made more bad decisions and then I was hurting so I'd have to hurt others. You know, there was times in my drinking where I'd walk out at three o'clock in the morning thinking, Well, my kids are asleep. I might as well down, be down the pub talking to someone then be sitting there waiting for me to pass out because even if they woke up, I wouldn't hear them anyway. So, you know, I might as well be somewhere where I'm useful. <laughs> and that was my thinking. And that's just one little bit. You know, there have been many occasions where my, my actions just didn't, um, weren't acceptable. You know, my husband was no good, so I'd go out and find an affair, you know, where I needed to be loved. You know, and, and they were sad and sick relationships. You know, I couldn't be a good daughter. I couldn't be the person I wanted to be to my parents. I ran away. You know, I moved a hundred miles away, so they didn't, I didn't need to be around them. You know, I didn't have trust in myself to to care for my kids. You know, they were always spick and span. People would say to me, gee, they look good. They didn't know what went on in the four walls. You know, there was a lot of screaming and crashing and, and the kids would come running up and say, can't you stop doing that? And say, piss off, you don't know what it's like. And they're the things, and that's the attitude that I had. And I hurt a lot of people. And they're the ones I know about. <laughs> and they're the ones that stick here and hurt here and keep me sick. Because by that time, I can't stop drinking. Because when I stopped drinking, all those things would keep coming back to me. You know, all that guilt and that shame and that pain. And I couldn't stay stopped. Not that way. Couldn't happen. And so it got to the point where, you know, I wanted to stop. <laughs> I was pretty sick and sorry. He'd left. He'd left. Thank God for that. You know? And then I found I was in a position where I didn't have to be accountable to anyone. And so I was going to be this mother with four kids and go out and scrub, scrub floors and put them through university and be this wonderful parent. I lasted a month. You know, you can't continue to work, which I was still working, you know, madly 14, 16 hours a day and raise four children and drink until three o'clock in the morning. It doesn't work. Can't maintain that. And, um, you know, my daughter rang up, my 13-year-old daughter rang up one day and she said, oh, you know, Nicole, I burnt Nicole with, with the noodles. We, they were feeding the noodles. And I thought to myself, why did you do that for? You're 13. Haven't you got more responsibility than that? Don't you know you can't do that? You know, it was all about everyone else. I was, I was younger than what my kids were, you know, as far as being a grown-up was concerned. They were doing all the responsibility. You know, my kids knew how to do stuff before I knew how to do it. They looked after themselves. 
and um, because I was just just couldn't do it. I was just irresponsible. It's just fine, you know. That's why you know, I needed to do things the way I needed to do it. It was always in, you know, in anger or or resentment or pain. And um, and then I got this program, and by that time. My other two, my youngest two children were living with their father, and my kids were, my two oldest daughters were living with me. And it was, it was pretty ordinary. And I got, came into AA, and after my young, one of my daughters said, I can't live with you anymore, I'm going to leave. And she left, and, um, and the next week, I rang her up and I said, oh, I've gone to meetings with Alcoholics Anonymous. And she said, I knew you could do it. Yeah, I knew you could do it. Because they knew the, the struggle. They knew the battle that, that happens because they were living it. Yeah. And the people I hurt the most were the people that were closest to me, the people that were, you know, lived this day after day after day. And they suffered the consequences of my drinking. You know, there was lots of people I owed money to. You know, in a bush in a bush town, you 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 have a lot of credit. <laughs> you have a lot of credit. Yeah, you know, I owed lots of money to um, the petrol station there, lots of money to the pubs, and I got up and left. You know, moved to Bendigo, and um, I thought, oh well, I don't need to worry too much about that. I won't go back there again. And I mean, this is thousands of dollars. This is just not twenty bucks. You know, you don't do things by halves. And um, but I said, that's all right. I'm not going to go back there. And then I got sober, and I got really anxious about all this. <laughs> and the first three months of being sober, I, you know, I, I was joyful about getting sober. Yeah, I wanted to be sober. I came to meetings. I did thirty. I did ninety. And um, and then I got to um, you know the the practical steps that we talked about before the four five and six and seven and eight and something changed. There's, there was this change that had happened. You know there was this softness that came and the fear was subsiding. The fear was going away and that's what I needed. That's what I got from, you know, talking to people that were in meetings and seeing the powers of examples. You know, lots of people were still having problems in their lives, but they were getting on with it. You know, and um, and then I got to step nine, and my daughter had come back from Queensland, and she walked in and she said, "Oh, it's like looking at a new person." They were encouraging words. And they'd gone through hell with me. Now, this is not something that I would do because I wanted to do it. This is something that I did because I needed to do it. I'm not a very virtuous person. I'm a very selfish, self-centred, self-seeking person. And there's lots of evidence of that in my past. You know, I tried to change and I continue to change today. Yeah, and I need to. This is what you know. Sobriety gives me is this ability to be able to, you know, hear things and say, "Oh, I like that," or see things differently, 
or something happens and I can get the courage to do it. And so step nine, even though it took so, there was so much fear involved in it because I'd see people and I'd walk across the road so I wouldn't talk to them. I didn't want to live life like that anymore. Sobriety gave me the power, the power to stay sober. It also gave me the power to change. And so I had that evidence there. So when myself and my daughter sat around the table and I made amends to them, and this is early sobriety, this is seven months sober. There was an urgency in my recovery. I wanted to get well, but I needed to get well. And I was sick enough to want to get well. And so I took guidance and I took direction. And we sat around the table and, and we sort of sat there for about an hour and a half, I suppose, and... And I talked and they listened and, and um, I said, okay, mum, that's all right. You know, we listened. And the next, next day, they, when I got home from work, they'd been out on the town and they were on the rehypnol and, and the alcohol and they walked in and abused the shit out of me for 20 minutes. <laughs> this is all your fault. Look what you've done to us. <laughs> and... <laughs> And through guidance about talking to the to people who had gone through similar experiences in in making amends, I could, you know, just take it. I could take it without thinking, you know, the opposite and thinking, oh, how dare you do that to me? You know, look what I'm trying to do. I'm making amends. Da 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 da. I know, wonderful. You know, I'm doing this because I'm trying to save my life and trying to make a difference. And um, and so then, you know, and I had to make amends to my ex-husband too because I I'd had done him a lot of wrong. But I didn't want to hurt him anymore either. I didn't go running to him and say, oh, I've had these affairs because that would have hurt him more. I didn't have to be, you know, it wasn't up to me to make my conscience clear by hurting somebody else. You know? And I knew that would be true. And so I had to get there and I had to make amends for the things that I'd done wrong without hurting him more. And, th- and that was hard because I wanted to clear all this shit out, you know. But then I had to ask God for, the, for help and direction and forgiveness. You know, a God of my understanding is, a, is where I need to ask for forgiveness. But then I need to verbalise it with other people. I need to go out and you know, pay my debts off, which I did. Each month I sent money to which you prove. <laughs> a little bit here and a little bit there, and I sent it up there. Today I can walk down that town with my head held high without owing money, and people say, G'day, how are you going? And I can walk down the street, and people say, G'day, how are you going? I'm not walking across the road anymore. I'm not in fear of anyone on this earth anymore. You know, I'd like to say that my ex-husband and myself have a wonderful relationship today because we don't speak anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it took seven years for me to say, you know, I'm not making any headway here. <laughs> you know, it's not helping him and it's not helping me. All I'm doing is perpetuating the problem. And so we don't speak anymore. And I pray for him. 
And I'm sure he has good thoughts for me occasionally too. You know, if he doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's been a, a great journey. It's been a wonderful journey. And, um, you know, not long after I made my amends to, to the girls that I, you know, we sat down again, we talked and, and, and um, I had this boyfriend in the fellowship. <laughs> and we decided, oh, I talked to them and they said, well, why don't you move to Melbourne, Mum? You know, go to Melbourne. We're fine here. You help us with the, the rent and things like that and we'll be fine. <coughs> oh, God, you know, they're 16 and 17 sort of thing. But then I realised these kids have been looking after themselves for 16 and 17 years, you know. They know how to clean and, and shop and, and care for things. And so I moved to Melbourne and, um, and what happened then was the action, you know. I didn't just say I was sorry. I actually started doing things. You know, I was there for them when they rang up. You know, I was able to, to make good decisions and have, have that relationship with my girls that I hadn't had before. I had good relationships with my other kids as well because I was making better decisions and doing the right thing. You know, I was doing the right thing. And our relationship got better and I was becoming a mother. You know. And I was becoming a good daughter too. All these things happened because I was making amends. I was free today to be able to do the things that I need to do. And so many things happened. The 12 promises happened. And then, you know, my um, Melissa said to me, oh, look, you know, you're so far away now and you've changed so much. And, and I said, that's all right, love. We've got plenty of time. <laughs> We've got plenty of time. <laughs> Sorry. They died seven months later in a car accident. We don't have plenty of time. No? We don't have the time that... Time passes, guys, that's all it does. Time passes. And you need to get out there and have the courage to get this stuff. This is why we do this today. This is why we do, you know, if we can't change one thing, we go out and find another way to do it. <laughs> we don't need approval to do this. We do this because we need to. We have this collective consciousness in AA that says you can have the courage to do anything that you want to do. And I got through, through, those, through those times, you know, I got through the, the time when, and I was able to bury my kids with dignity and grace and that's because of this program. I have no guilt you know, because I, I, I realised today that those things that I did, I don't do anymore. Right? We have the power to be strong and spiritual and go out there and change the world. <laughs> we bloody did it before when we change things when we drink we change lots of people's lives when we're sober we can still change lots of people's lives and that's what we can do we can make a difference and this program gives me the ability to do that I was going to read the 12 promises but I don't think I can hold the book (laughs) 
Because I don't learn this out of a book. I learn it through experience. I learn it through the powers of examples that are around me and I learn it through action. If you're not doing it, you never know how you're going to. You're never going to learn how. You've got to keep doing it. And, um, yeah, I have three lovely step-grandchildren today. I have a son, 24. I have a daughter, 17, who's still running around the plates, but she's growing up too. There's so many things that have happened, but the biggest decisions I ever made were in my first year of recovery. Biggest decisions I ever made were then because my second crisis came early. And if I didn't have this in place, you know, I would have affected a lot of people a lot differently. <laughs> so we keep coming back and we keep doing this stuff. We'll keep making changes. And we keep... You know, I'm a... What is it? I'm a human being having a spiritual... No, I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. I'm human. I didn't want to be an alcoholic. <laughs> but today I have a spiritual program that guides me through a day at a time. And we have power today to do that. Don't ever doubt it. Thank you. Mm-hmm.